Welcome to the Money Maven Project Podcast. If you're here to learn how to obtain freedom over your time and money through real estate investing, you're in the right place. Create the life you want by living with intention and becoming a maven in mindset, money, and real estate. Now, here's your host, Justin Monk. Hey, this is Justin Monk with the Money Maven Project podcast. Super excited today with John Claiborne as our guest. Um, this is going to be an interesting message. I really like where you're going with the Amos Project. You're going to talk to us a lot about that and kind of what your... It sounds like there's multi, there's several different goals of that project and what you do. So I'm super curious to, inter- to, to learn more about what you do. Go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of tell us your story. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. So... Uh, like Justin said, my name is John Claiborne, and I run something called the Amos Project, which has been going on for a little over a year now. And the premise behind the Amos Project is we, we want to try and find and teach how to find adventure in the five most important areas of our life, which is faith, family, fitness, finances, and friendship. And I kind of came to this conclusion about two or three years ago that uh, you know, I read this book called Essentialism. A lot of people have read this book. And I came to this realization that there's so many things in life that are just not essential. They're just not important. And I was devoting so much of my time and my energy to the non-essential things when I needed to be focusing all that energy on the things that were important. And so, so the five targets kind of came around. And you know, these aren't the five targets for everyone, but these are at least the five things for my per- life personally that I think are most important. And certainly finance and career is a, is a big one in that. Yeah, that's awesome. And what was the name of the book that you you mentioned there? So it's called Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, I want to make sure I put that in the show notes. Essentialism. So, so these five areas. So you you read the book. You kind of. So what changes did you make when you kind of started this project? What adjustments? You know, what were you seeing in your life that you didn't like and didn't fit what you wanted to have? And when what what adjustments in your personal life did you make? Yeah, sure. So, so I read that book in, in combination with two others. So Start With Why and then The Art of Work. And the combination of those three books, I, I, whenever I read these, it, what, I wasn't in a great place. You know, I was married. I think we had one kid at the time. And my thing was just comparison. I was just comparison, com- comparing myself to everybody. You know, I'm behind. You know, my bank account's not as big as a lot of my friends. I don't have the titles that a lot of my friends have. And it was, it was just wearing on me and just dragging me down. And I couldn't figure out why that was. And then I finally discovered that, that the why behind why I was doing what I was doing was completely off kilter. It was completely off base from what I truly wanted in life. I, I did this dream adventurously project where I asked myself 10 questions, things like, where do you want to live you know, when I'm 60? Who do I want to be with? What, what does my day-to-day look like? All of it was surrounded by money. It was, it was all motivated. I want to have money so I can do these things. And I got to this realization that money's money's gonna fail me if I make it, you know, my idol. If that's all I'm going after, it's gonna fail me all the time. And so I, I had to get to this point where my why was different, where I had to figure out, you know, why do I want to make this amount of money in a particular year? Is it so that my friends view me a certain way? Is it so that I can have this car, this house? And that's not what it's about. And it took me several years to actually learn that. And so that was kind of the catalyst for the shift that occurred in me of, I'm going to start asking myself why I do everything that I do. You know, why do I go to church where I go to church? Why did I marry my spouse? 
You know, why, do, why are we raising our kids a certain way? Why are we investing our money? If those whys are not what we want and what we truly feel can lead us into the future, then it's going to be completely empty. So, so after reading those three books and then having a lot of discussions over you know, several months with a lot of people, I just I came to this conclusion that this just isn't working and I've got to change. I got to change a bunch of things in my life. And, and it starts with why am I doing certain things? Yeah. So, so did you find that you, your, you know, the time you were spending in your career or the time you were spending with family, like what adjustments did you make as far as how you allocated time? Yeah. So, so I looked at the things that bring me joy in life and this was actually a big epiphany. And when I was in the grocery store, I was, I was trying to figure out what do I want to eat this week. And I had this, this choice of I could buy this pizza or I could buy this green healthy food. And I thought, this pizza, it's going to taste really, really good for about 10 minutes. And then I'm going to regret it. This is going to suck joy out of me. And so but the first thing I did was I, I looked for all these things that were just sucking the life out of me. Um, so another thing was, was tobacco. I've been doing tobacco for you know, seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, 10, 15 minutes is fantastic. But then the other you know, 23 hours, 45 minutes of the day, like this is an addiction that I can't get over. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to stop doing, I'm going to stop doing tobacco. And so that, that was really the first thing of figuring out the things that, that just sucked the life completely out of me and replaced those things with the things that actually brought me joy in life. So what, what tips do you give somebody that's, that's currently, like you said, not in a good place. They feel like they're, their their life is out of balance and they're not necessarily happy with you know where they're headed and where they're allocating their resources and time what what tips do you have for somebody that's trying to figure their way out of that mm-hmm. yeah one of my favorite quotes is you, you know you can't really change the circumstances around you but you can change how you handle your circumstances and how you react to them in your attitude so the first thing would be you know check your own attitude if if things in your life are not going well, find out why that is. You know, if, if you're if you're in a job that you don't like and you get there at nine o'clock, you leave at five o'clock with a one hour lunch break and you don't want that life, figure out how to get rid of that. You know, it's it's so much easier said than done. Hey, just go start your own business. You know, two years later, maybe maybe you'll have a profit. But understand that those things that are out of your control or out of your control. You can't do anything about those. But the things that are in your control, you do have control over how you react to those. And so take, you know, take a step back, look at your work, your family life, look at your fitness, um, you know, essentially look at your friendships and all the five targets and understand these are the things that are not working. Reverse engineer, you know, here's where I want to go and then figure out how to get there. So that may not necessarily be that practical, but, but for me, that's, that's what I had to do. I had to get to the point where I, I looked at all the things that just weren't working. Why am I so miserable in my job and figure out what that was. And a lot of it was just inside of me. I was not, I didn't have the right why and the right purpose behind why I was doing my work. It was all for one thing. It was all for that paycheck. And when you, when you change that, when you shift that mindset from just getting your paycheck to actually doing quality work, that's honoring to your bosses, it's honoring to your clients or whomever, your investors, then it it changes your attitude. And then when you have an attitude shift that you spend eight hours a day in, then it trickles into the rest of your life, the rest of your personal life. Yeah, I like that. And 
I think that for whatever reason, we, we tend to feel like the normal pattern in the world or in, in, in general is we get a job, you know, we pick a career and then we build our life around that path, right? Around that job and that career and the time that it requires of us. And recently, or, you know, I've kind of had the idea, I'm like, well, why are we doing it that way? We should, we should pick the life that we want and the things that we want to be able to accomplish and do in our life and, and the important things, you know, where we want to focus. And then we should design our work or our career around that life, right? And they mm-hmm. should be conducive and, and mutually beneficial one for one with another, symbiotic, I guess, right? So, but it seems like they're so often in conflict with each other because I don't think we, I think we need to start with the end in mind. This is the life I want. This is the time I want to be able to spend with family. This is the time I want to be able to spend in the outdoors or whatever my hobbies are. And then we pick the job and build the business, which is cool when you're an entrepreneur because you can say, hey, this is how I want to build the business and this is the life that it needs to provide for me. Not just I want to grow this humongous company and then sell it, you know, go public and all that, like, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But let's make sure that we also have the life that we want along the path and we're not sacrificing valuable time along that journey. Is that, I mean, does that make sense? Is that something that you see often? Yeah. So, so there's two guys, actually, there's three guys that I consider them my virtual mentors, you know, quote unquote. I've never met, never met any of them. I hope to have them on my podcast one day, but I, I, I follow everything they do on Instagram. And, and it's not like I worship these guys or anything, but they're Rich Roll, Steve Weatherford, and Jesse Itzler are three guys that I think do this perfectly where they, you can't tell when they're working. You can't tell what they're working on because their personal life is so blended with their work life that you can't tell the difference. And for me and what I was doing for the first seven years of my career, it was my personal time from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., an hour to get ready for work, 9 to 4 or 9 to 4.30 was work time, didn't work on anything personal, get home 5 o'clock, and then it's family and personal time. Yeah. And that's what I did for years. Yeah. That is not the way that I would recommend doing it. Now, some people, you, you, you just don't have a choice. And that's, that was my kind, of, kind of my situation until I figured this whole thing out. But yeah, you're exactly right. Like our personal life should bleed into our professional life where we don't necessarily have set hours. If you want to go to, to the park with your kids at 2.30 in the afternoon on a Tuesday, then, and you truly want that, then create a life to do that. Again, much easier said than done. But I think your point is extremely valid that our work, it shouldn't be work and then personal life. Work and personal life should be and I, I'm not going to use the word balanced because I don't necessarily believe in that. I think everything should bleed into one another. So I, I think you're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do think that, you know, I think everybody, some people are served a, a hand of cards that are a little bit more difficult to create this scenario than others. Let's, let's, uh, let's, I will say that, you know, uh, I've, I've definitely been truly blessed with the opportunities that I've been blessed with. And, and that may be different for somebody else, but I do believe, that no matter the circumstances, there's, there is a way to improve the situation. There's a, there's a way to get closer to that, that ideal life or the life that you want to design for yourself. And it may be harder for others, for some than others. And I, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like 
I, I don't feel like there's ever a scenario where we are just totally helpless and we have to do this thing, just have to do this career um, forever, right? There may there may be years where it's no, there is no choice. But with smart, you know, with financial education and and general education, I think there's a ton of changes and progress that we can make to change our situation. Um, so so lead, with that, tell me more about how real estate and some of your career choices has made it easier to live the life that you want and, and that you want that you've designed. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and so our family, we're at the, the beginning stages of this whole deal. So I'm, I'm 34, wife is 35, we've got three young kids. So we're just getting started in this thing, but real estate has always been interesting to me. And I didn't, I didn't buy my first property until I was, I think we, I was 20, 28 didn't start our real estate investing company till till I was 28. And the whole reason why we started it up was we wanted to get into one particular deal where you had to come up with half a million dollars. And mm-hmm. when you're 28 in Lubbock, Texas, very, very few people have half a million dollars they can put into a deal. And I certainly was not one of those. And so so we we created this company called Caddis Investment Group, named after the fly fishing fly, the Caddis mm-hmm. fly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and we just started. We, and we decided to go raise a little bit of money, uh, which we had to raise all everything because we didn't have any money ourselves. Raised it all. And we got into this deal. And we decided there's, there's a business model here. And so we founded this business model. The why on the very first day we started the company was so we could get in this, this one particular multifamily deal. But over the course of the last five years, uh, we'll turn five in February, we've kind of structured our why is we want, we want to leave a legacy for our kids and for our family. This is not money that we're going to use to go upgrade our house or anything. This is money that we're going to let continue to turn over and turn over and turn over for the next however many decades. And we want to leave a legacy for our kids. And that, that's why we're doing it. And so, so real estate, it, it's what I understand. I'm not a, I don't really understand the stock market. I sure as heck don't understand oil and gas. Um, and I'm not even gonna get you started on crypto because I don't even know how to spell it. Yeah. Real estate is, is what I understand. And there's so many resources out there like bigger pockets, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And um, I've read the three books that are, I can see on your bookshelf. I've read all three of those books <laughs> and it's just so it's not easy to get started. It's so easy to, to get enough information to know how to get started. Yeah. And so, yeah, real estate really is the catalyst for, for our future. And without real estate, we're not going to be able to, to live the future that we, that we really want to desire and experience um, because I just don't know any other way to get there. Yeah. So what are the, what are the strengths of real estate that, that separate it from the other, the other things that you mentioned there? Why is real estate the one? Well, so, so there's four, there might be a fifth factor. I know for a fact that there's four factors with, uh, particularly single family, and you could probably do this on multifamily as well. But, uh, but yeah, I know you're interested in the Burr method, and and I've done that a few times. And so you've got the cash flow, you've got the appreciation of the asset, you've got the tax benefits, um, and then you you can you know, essentially do a 1031 exchange up into a better property without having to pay tax because you're not selling. And there's all these different structures within the tax code, which I, I'm not an expert on. But there's all these different ways that you can, you know, make a profit and essentially, you know, demit or mitigate the risk on your investment with real estate that you can't do with other things. And you have a lot more control over the real estate than, say, you're you investing in a startup. Uh, yeah. You know, we invested in a, 
a few startups about three years ago and we lost all of our money on two of the three. The other one did decent. So we got a, we doubled our money in three years, but the other two went completely bankrupt and we had zero control over that. So, so I think real estate gives you a lot more control over what you can do. Um, the tax code is very, very intriguing for a real estate investor. It makes it ideal to be a real estate investor. Uh, and it, it, frankly, I think it's a lot easier to understand than some of these other markets that you can get into and potentially make more money, but you're also risking a whole lot more in some of these markets. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the fact that you can leverage, right? I mean, yeah. you're able to leverage, like in your example, I don't know what the deal was like, but you, you raised a half a million dollars and I'm sure it was a multi-million dollar deal. If you want a, if you want multi-million dollars worth of stock, you have to have multi-million yeah, dollars, right? Exactly. You can't go get a loan for half a million and buy right. four million dollars in stock. It doesn't work like work like that. Mm-hmm. At least, not that I know of. Somebody should teach me that if that's available, <laughs> that's available. But the leverage allows you to basically lift more than you're capable of, right? I mean, that's the idea, and 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 that's so strong. It's so powerful on the real estate side. So. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think real estate, and especially because it can become fairly passive, right? Unless you're wanting to own 10,000 units and grow this huge company and have tons of employees, which is not really my goal. I want it to be more passive, fewer levels, fewer employees, but be able to have enough passive income that I can go on a 30-day <laughs> camping trip and come back more wealthy than when I left but not having worked for 30 days. Like th- that, that is so intriguing to me. Um, getting away from changing, of, of just exchanging time for money. Uh, and, and that's why I love real estate and the power of real estate because I believe it allows us to, like you said, I mean, figure out in these five areas how to have adventure in life and in those five areas or the areas that we we deem the most valuable. And if that's, Whatever, man. It could be drilling wells in Africa for people for villages that don't have water. If that's your thing and you got a bunch of real estate back home that's paying the bills and funding that project, that's awesome. You can't do that. Not that I know if you've got if you've got to go to, to work nine to five, five days a week. It's just it's more difficult. Yeah. And that's what I love about real estate, the freedom that it can provide. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I- I'll give you a real life example. So the worst thing that ever happened to me from a single family, um, single family model was my very first deal I ever did. It was a home run that we just sold off last year. Uh, no, we just sold it off this year. It was, and it, this, it was the most ridiculous deal. So, so we bought a house for 50 and we, we were going to put the budget was to put 20 into it. And we were going to do the burr method, go to the bank, get the loan and all that. So I was expecting, okay, we're going to, it's going to appraise about 90. We'll, we'll get all of our money back out that we put into it and we'll break even just on the first renovation. Yeah. Well, we go to the bank, it appraises at 105. We get 88,000 back because they want 85% as opposed to 80. So we put, we did, we made $18,000 on that first deal, you know, quote unquote made. We still had a yeah. loan of that 85 or 88, whatever it was. Yeah. But we didn't put any any of our own personal money into it, and then we got an additional eighteen thousand out. And then when we sold the property this year, we ended up you know doubling our money in in about two years. Uh, actually, we didn't double our money. If you if you can include all like the the repairs, we had a forty five hundred dollar plumbing bill and all that. Then it's doubling your money. But from the initial investment standpoint, it was an infinite return because we didn't put our our own money into it. 
Exactly. You can't do you can't do that in the stock market. As far as I know, you can't do that in oil and gas. Maybe maybe there's a way, like you said, but real estate it just offers you the ability to one get that passive income, but two make money where there is no money. I mean, we had zero money into that deal, and then we sold it, and so. Um, that's, that's the thing that I love about real estate. And the reason why I say it was the worst deal ever was because that set my expectations. Every deal is going to be like this. Well, deal number two was not like that. It was the exact opposite. <laughs> but yeah, mostly, mostly it's the first deal for people, but for you, it was the exactly. second one, huh? Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, we all have those lessons, man. Yep. No, that's, that's what I love about real estate is, is you, it's, it's where the term make money actually applies. Because when you get that forced appreciation by taking that property, rehabbing it, getting the ARV, you know, the rehit, the, the 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 appraisal that's up there, and all of a sudden this money just appears out of nowhere. This value, yeah. you actually make this money, this value. Everywhere else, you're just exchanging, right? You gave somebody some time, they had some money in their account, and they gave it to you. But here we're like we're making money out of thin air, which is which is so powerful to me, and that's always been intriguing on the real estate side. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great example. That's a great example of this power of real estate. So, so somebody that's trying to get into real estate, um, you're you're just getting started. What are the what are some tips that you have for them? Yeah, I would number one, I would say find a mentor that's done what you want to do. I th- I think I didn't do that, and I fortunately had. I have three realtors in my immediate family that all help me kind of figure figure out the the lay of the land. But I, I would say number one is find a mentor, and number two I would say research, but not and and understand your numbers, but not to the point where you are striving for perfection, because everyone's heard of analysis paralysis, and you can analyze until you know every every little nook and cranny of a real estate deal, but you're never going to get started if you don't. So I would say research and know your numbers, but don't know them so well that it's going to prevent you from doing a deal. Well, I want to cash flow $200 a month and it only gives me 198. I'm going to pass on this deal. Maybe that's not necessarily the way to do it, but I would say definitely find a mentor first to kind of walk you through those situations where they're like, well, have you thought about this? Maybe you should think about that. Um, those are the two things that, that I didn't do. I studied for two years before we ever bought our first property. (laughs) Yeah. You and me both, man. (laughs) Yeah. And then I learned so much that I was talking myself out of deals because I was expecting these perfect scenarios Mm -hmm. and there really isn't. And and, and good investors are able to identify the ones that are close and doable and and get and and make them into deals. And, And I was... I found that I was talking myself out of stuff just because, ah, it's got this little booger on it. So I'm out of here. You know, it's a little more rehab than I thought. And so I I was bailing. Um, And so I, I walked away from a lot of deals that I probably should have grabbed. Um, Whereas if I would have had a mentor, they'd have been like, no man, like, yeah, it's a, it's a little unknown here or it's sweet. It's a little more than we thought here, but it's still a deal. Like it's still a deal. There's no perfect real estate deal. Let's just mm-hmm. be honest. And none of them go perfectly as planned. At least right. none of mine have yet. <laughs> and and I think that's why having that mentor to kind of watch you and just make sure you don't make any big mistakes. But that way you have the have the. It, they're kind of like they're kind of belaying you off a cliff. Like I don't know if you guys are familiar with rock climbing. I, 
I don't rock climb, but I kind of know how it works, right? You've got somebody that's belaying you. Mm-hmm. And so if you fall, they can, they can check you, right? They can tighten the rope. You're going to fall a certain amount and then you're safe. That's what a mentor is doing for you. They're, that way you can risk. You can take risk. You can climb up that wall. But if you fall or you're going to make a mistake, they're able to say, whoa, no, that's just a little bit too much risk or that's you know too much here or whatever. Too much unknown. Let's, let's walk away. Or yeah, let's just keep pushing you on and encourage you on. I think that's a, that's a perfect... And that's one thing I did not do. I, I mean, I asked questions, but I never... If I would have just grabbed onto a mentor, you know, even paid the fees if there was fees, but had somebody, I would have cut months, if not a year off of my, off of my progress. And it'd probably be in a different place right now, as far as down the road. So that's a great, that's a great uh, tip for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like the father son scenario. You've got your, your, when you're a five-year-old and you know, your dad's right there, he, you know, he's going to catch you. You're willing to climb anything. And you're willing to climb the tallest tree because you know your dad's going to catch you. And then, and the, what I would so what I would add to that question is, get a mentor in order to become a mentor. Whenever you 30 years down the road, when you're 55, 60 years old, and you've got 100 units or a thousand, whatever your goal is, give that knowledge to somebody else. Don't just take it with you. And so, so now I'm 34, and I've got a four-year-old daughter. I'm the mentor to her, and she knows mm-hmm. that I'm going to catch her. So I would say set that as a goal too. That would be probably one of the most awesome goals is you've got all these units, but you've got more knowledge than you have units. You know, if you can compare the two, so give that to somebody else, give that to some 22 year old kid that wants to do exactly what you want to do. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's the same in, in all industries and all investment, you know, strategies, but I feel like more than anywhere in the real estate world, in this network, in this, you know, the people that are in this network, we, there's more of that mentoring, right? Everybody, everybody needs a mentor and everybody can be a mentor. You know, some charge and some charge lots and some charge don't charge a lot and some do it for free. But there's this whole, there's a synergy of like, hey, you know, I need a mentor, help me out. And then when you get there, they're like, hey, I'm going to share what I'm doing. If people ask me questions, everybody is so happy to help. And I wonder if it's partially because, yeah, it's competitive, but there is so much out there. Like there's so much opportunity. And so there's more of a, what's the word? Like an abundance mentality where I can help this guy buy this deal because it doesn't take from me because there is there are hundreds of homes and opportunities out there. And, and I, I think so that the competition is there, but it's a little bit different type of competition. Um, and we're, we're so, I mean, maybe it's just a bigger pockets crew and some of the, the groups that I follow, but it just seems like everybody's so willing to help. So reach out. I mean, there's so much free content out there, free information, free training, and then grab somebody that can just say, that can look over your first few deals and walk you through that. That's, that's the safest way to jump in for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. Cause the, the word that I was thinking was, was a mindset of abundance. There's enough to go around for everybody. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I can't add anything else to that. That's exactly what I was thinking while you were talking. That's perfect. Well, good, man. We're on this, we're on the same page. <laughs> yep. Um, so, so, um, next question is what is something I'm going to ask, I'm going to make this kind of a double question. So first, what is something that keeps people that you see keeps people from getting into real estate? And maybe you already kind of mentioned the main thing, but What's the one thing that you see that keeps people from getting into real estate 
And what's the other misconception or thing that keeps people from designing the life and living the life that they want? So a couple of questions there. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, so I think one is a lack of knowledge and, and not a lack of knowledge with the X's and O's, but a lack of knowledge of financing. And so what I mean is I had no idea that I could go put zero money in and get a rent house that cash flows $200 a month without putting a dime into it personally. I, didn't, I had no idea that was out there. You know, the ARV loans, 80, 85%, whatever your bank loans, I didn't know that was a thing. And so I, I just decided, you know, I want to get a property. I'll talk to my brother-in-law. He's a realtor. And he said, yeah, go to this bank. Uh, they do 85% of ARV. I'm like, what the heck is an ARV? I think, isn't it an ATV? And he was like, <laughs> no, here's how you do it. You just, you just walk into your bank. They'll go, you'll go through a ton of financials and they will give you a value based on the after repair or they'll give you a number based on the after repair value. I had no idea that existed. Is that something that I could just look up online of, you know, how to buy a real estate deal without any money? Yes, it is. I could have looked that up. And so, so I think it's just a lack of knowledge. And I think, you know, fear is a big one. People are just scared to dive in because you're putting something at risk. I was, I was too afraid, you know, I bought this house for 50 and now I've got a loan for 85. That makes zero sense to me. And I was scared. It, he, you know, he walked me through everything. He's like, it's going to be fine. If you sell it, you can sell it for a hundred, yada, yada. Yeah. So I, th- I think a lack of knowledge and a fear is what keeps people from diving in. Yeah. Good, good. And then on the life, like uh, on designing the life and living the life they want, what's the obstacles there? Yeah, that one's tougher because that one's a much deeper conversation for me because, you know, five years ago, I just started scratching the surface of trying to figure this thing out. And I don't have all the answers. Uh, we're, we're just trying to, to um, figure out where we want our lives to go. Um, but really, I, I, I discovered my, you know, you know, you can say my why, whatever you want to call it, through reading books. I don't think people are consuming the right content. You're sc- scrolling Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You're posing in, you know, on the beach. If, uh, maybe if you're a male, you're, you're posing on the beach. But uh, you're just doing, you're doing all these things for you that are looking at you from an outward appearance. Look at me, I'm doing all these cool things. I, I went, took the introspective route and I was like, what is missing inside of me? What is this mindset? Where, where's this heart that is just struggling right now? And so I, I think by reading books and listening to the right content and watching stuff on YouTube that is actually going to improve your life rather than let people into your world just from a very selfish point of view, I think that's, that's a huge thing. Uh, that's, so that's obstacle number one of just not re- flat out reading enough, not consuming the right content. Yeah. But obstacle number two is not getting the right people around you to be honest and truthful about who you are. Because I, I was too afraid to ask the hard questions. I didn't want to ask people, you know, what are the things that you see in me that are both good and bad? You know, I want to know what are the areas that I struggle in, but I also want to know what do I excel in? Where do you, what do you see as, you know, that one thing that I can do that nobody else can do? I was too afraid to ask those questions. And so I think the second thing is just not getting the right people around you to encourage you, but also to set you straight when you're kind of being an idiot. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's a big part of it is, is the content that people are consuming on a regular basis brings a lot of it brings little value into their life. And I'm not saying that everything on Netflix and everything on television is, 
is garbage, but most of it, like a lot of it, <laughs> you know, there's yeah. not a lot. Uh, I mean, I know there's good documentaries and there's cool educational stuff on Netflix and whatnot, but and Instagram. I mean, I I learn a lot from Instagram. I get a lot of motivation from oh, yeah. the people I follow you on, follow on Instagram. And so, but I but in general, yeah, people aren't consuming the right content, and, and so they're misled or they're they don't have the education. They don't even know that the path exists. Like yeah. they don't know that you can buy a house for fifty grand and turn around and sell it for ninety or a hundred. Like I tell people all the time, I'm buying houses for forty five and fifty thousand dollars, and they're like, "You're what?" Because we live in a we live in a market where the the crappiest house is like a hundred k, and so right. I'm in different markets buying houses for forty five k, and they're like, "What is going on?" And I explain to them what I do with the bird method, and they're like, "They're they just their mind explodes because they've never thought they've never sought out a different pathway than what's been taught them. Get a go to college, get a career, go to go to nine to five. Nothing wrong with that, but if that's if you're not planning and prepping and getting other sources of income, that can be a that can be a dead end. So, yeah, you're right. People just aren't learning, and and they they don't know that the options are out there, and that so they can't even make the the choice there. So that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, and I think we're scared. I think we're scared to try because I don't think we're necessarily afraid of of failing. I think we're afraid of being labeled as a failure, and so so we come up with all these excuses. So how could you know, okay, for example, I'm sure if you put on a message board, I just bought this house for 45, put 25 into it, it's now worth 90. Someone's going to say, well, I can't do that in my market. No, you can't. That's just an excuse though. Mm-hmm. And so you go to somebody else and you're like, you know, why are you, why are you, you've been in this job for 10 years. You've been miserable the entire time. Why don't you just quit? Well, because they offer great benefits. Okay. That's just an excuse. Yeah, it's it's amazing to have great benefits, but are you going to be miserable for your whole life just so that you can have health insurance and dental care? I don't know. Right. So I, I think we just think of a lot of excuses of why not to even start. Yeah, I, and I I've said this on other other episodes, and so probably broken record here, but anytime I hear somebody say that they, you know, they used to do this but they don't anymore because they don't have time with their job or whatever. And I just cringe. I'm like, well, if that's something you're passionate about and, and I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a victim of it or I've made the same mistake. I used to do a lot of snowboarding growing up. That was the thing, you know, two or three days a week. And it's just kind of petered out. I don't do it as much anymore. And luckily my kids are starting to ski. So I'm starting to get back into it. But I let, you know, there's no reason why I couldn't have kept that a priority or something that was I was passionate about and continue to do it. And so mm-hmm. anytime somebody says, I don't do that anymore because I don't have time or I, I'd like to go do this, I'd like to travel to France, but I can't do it because I don't have the vacation time. I'm just like, crap, man, we, we've got to make some decisions here and redesign your life and priorities because you're going to run out of time. Like at the end of the day, everybody's going to die. And we, and, and hopefully we've all experienced and it's all been a, it's, it's been an adventure for all of us, but in order for it to be that way, we've got to make some conscious decisions of how we allocate our time. And again, I'm not, I'm not coming down on the nine to five job. I, I, I say that all the time, but it's, that's not a bad thing. It's not an evil thing, but if you're letting it just completely consume your life, and that's the and you're now building you're having to fit your family in and the other things you're passionate about around that job. I just think that's 
that's mixed up. I think it should be the other way around. I think we should design our life and how we want it. And then we fit in our job and we say, yeah, I can work these days and these hours and, and I can do these projects. But beyond that, you know, I've got other priorities. I just think that's how it should be. But, um, not everybody's quite there yet. So no, no but, but everyone can get there. That's the thing. This yeah. is, there's not a secret sauce. It's you, no. you just got to get the right people around you, read the right books. And it's just a mindset shift. So it's not impossible. If it was impossible, I wouldn't have, I, I obviously wouldn't have gotten there. You wouldn't have gotten there uh, because I'm not any, I'm not any, I'm not anything special. <laughs> I'm just a 34 year old from West Texas with three kids who happens to love adventure. So I'm no different for, than anybody else. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, and I think it's just been, this is totally my theory, but it's just been ingrained in us in society for so long because back in the day, I mean, you know, early, early Americans, right. Or, you know, early settlers, um, if they didn't go out and work from sun up to sun down, it was life or death, right. right? If you didn't go out and milk the cow and plant the grain and harvest the grain and all this stuff, you didn't feed your family through the winter. And I sometimes still feel like we're acting like that. Like <laughs> if I don't go to my nine to five, I'm going to die. Or if I don't get this product, <laughs> say that again. Well, I was going to say, if, if I leave at 4.59, I'm going to get fired. Yeah, I know. And I catch myself all the time. And thank goodness there was a time in my life where, where it was, I was just, abs- I was a basket case, so stressed out and uh, just a lot of stuff going on. I, I, I'm the director of sales for a solar installation company. So I run a sales team and I'm a part owner in a company. So we've started this company 10 years ago. Anyway, it's just been this whole journey. It's been awesome. But there was a time where I was like, I freaking am like on the edge of an anxiety panic attack. And I'm like, this is messed up. And I finally just started telling myself, I'm like, it's, it's not life or death. Like if I totally screw this up and the company fails, I can go get a job somewhere else. It's yeah. not life or death, but sometimes the sl- level of stress and anxiety and just emotional damage that we sometimes cause is because we think it's life or death. And guys, it's not anymore. Like if you don't milk, back in the day, if you didn't milk the cow, you didn't have butter. But here, if you if you fail or if it, you know you don't quite get it done on time or whatever, like it's not life or death. And there probably are consequences, but. Worst case scenario, you lose your job and you find another one, and maybe you find another one that's better for you. Like, I just feel like we sometimes just treat things with the less important things with the most importance, and and I think that's messed up. I just I think we have to get right on our priorities. Um, Yeah, leave your job at three fifteen and go to go to your daughter's play at school like that is what that is what you should be stressed out about how do i get at to my daughter's thing and how do i be a the best dad i can be and whatever i just think that's where that's where the true i think happiness and fulfillment is in life is when we're living the life that we want and, and we're fulfilling you know our purpose and what we what we want to do so i just you got to just remind yourself it's not life or death if this real estate deal blows up in my face it's not life or death or whatever if if i have to go if I have to call a plumber about a toilet in my rental property, it's not life or death. Like sometimes we just overthink these things and you just have to treat it. You have to put it on the priority level where it belongs. 
and sometimes we have that out of place. Sorry, I've been, I'm ranting now, but that, that's just kind of the thoughts that have been on my mind lately. Yeah. No, one of my favorite quotes, I don't even know who said it, but he said, don't worry. If whatever you think is the worst case scenario happens to you, the sun is going to come up the next day. And if it doesn't, you're not going to care because you're going to be dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I love it. I just, for whatever reason, we, we stress out about, we, the most stress we have is sometimes on the least important things. And, uh, and that's not how it should be. But, uh, Man, that's that's good conversation. So you mentioned um, you mentioned a couple of other books, um, essentialism, right? Start with why. And there was was there another one that you mentioned? Yeah, it was called The Art of Work by Jeff Goins, and he gives this idea of of the portfolio life, which which is basically what we've been talking about of filling your life with the things that matter and having a portfolio life where it's not just family and then work and then home to watch TV at night. It's, what do you want to do? I want to go fly a kite today at 11 o'clock in the morning. Figure out a way to go do that. So the idea of having a portfolio of things that we love doing. I love that. Now, one of the one of the questions I usually ask is, what's your favorite book? What's your favorite business book? Or what's one that had the most impact in your life? Is one of those the ones that you would say for that answer? I'd, I'd say it's a combination of those three. Yeah. But if I, had, if I had to pick one, I'm not going to be that guy. Um, if I had to pick one, it's got to be start with why. That, that's the most important thing that I've ever that I've ever tried to you know, you know convey from a book to my life is just that one question of why. Why do I do everything that I do? Yeah, why am I doing this? That's such a great. I mean, why are you doing this podcast? If you don't know why you're doing this podcast, why are you doing it? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Because I want to deliver the message that we were talking about right now. I think there's. I think too many people go through life and don't live a full life and, and don't have an adventure. And, and for whatever reasons, there's multiple reasons, but I want to just hopefully educate. We talked about a lot of the reasons people don't get started because they don't know there's an option. They don't know there's another path or another way to do it. And so, yeah, that's, that's the why with this project is just yeah. to share my journey and hopefully show others uh, the way. Um, but yeah, you definitely take, if you're like, at any time during the day, if you stop and say, why am I doing this? And you don't have a clear answer or it's not an answer that makes you happy or fulfills you, then you got to figure out how to get that thing out of your life sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So, so we talked about this and I don't know if you mentioned it, but what is, what is your why? And there may be multiple, right? Maybe there's one overarching, but maybe there's multiple. Talk to us about your why, both for the project, for your business, those kinds of things. Yeah, so so I actually have my why statements written down. They're on a Google Doc on this computer that I'm using. Uh, I'd pull them up, but I, I don't know where they are actually. Um, they're in somewhere in Google Google Docs, but um, I actually have them all written down. And so so for example, you know why why do I work where I work? Well, my my desire and my why right now is I'm I'm getting my parents to retirement, and I'm I'm running our family business right now. That's my why, and. You know, and then you look at the Amos Project. Why have I started the Amos Project? Well, it's because I want people to understand that adventure is everywhere. Adventure isn't just rock climbing. It's not mountain biking. It's not doing adventure races. Adventure is having that conversation with your wife that you need to have. It's calling out a friend whenever they're being an idiot to their spouse. Adventure is quitting your job and starting that company that you've had written down for five years. 
that's what adventure is. And, and I want to teach people that. Mm. And I want to learn along the same way as people. So I, I, I don't have a one particular why statement. So I, I don't, you know, I don't, if you say, what's your purpose in life? I, I think it's to be a dad, to be a husband. I think it's to teach people. There's a lot of different purposes and different whys. But I've, I've got a why statement for a lot of things that I do in my life. And like you said, if I don't know what my why is, either stop doing it or figure out your why. Mm. Yeah, I love that. No, that's an awesome, that's an awesome uh, definition of adventure, right? You know, I just assumed it was something in the outdoors that was risky, but, but, uh, yeah, that's no, it, definitely part of it. Yeah. I mean, but it, but it can be anything that, that, that pushes you outside of your comfort zone and makes you grow or help somebody else grow. Um, I think that's a great, that's a great, uh, look or view of adventure. Um, that's awesome. Um, so what, where can, um, well, what are some other ways, what are some ways that you're giving back? It's the question I always like to ask. I'm always curious of some different ideas, but what are some ways that you give back either through business or through the project uh, to help others? I mean, obviously part of the main goal of it is to help others, but what are some specifics that you're doing? Yeah. So, so we've got a company called the Scent Petroleum and through this particular company, we started 18 months ago. One thing that we've committed to doing is giving away 10% of profits to four different charities. Uh, there's four partners and we each got to pick a charity, um, that we're going to donate 10% of total profits to these nonprofits as you know, time goes along. Uh, so that's one thing uh, that's, that's pretty small. It's a pretty small company right now. Uh, but we also, we like to give to individual missionaries overseas. And so mm-hmm. we like to support, you know, our friends that decide, have decided to go overseas to do missions work. We love to support them. And, and you know, one of our goals, I talked about it on a podcast recently, was we want to we do the 50-50 rule. We want to give away 50% of our income by the age of 50. Regardless of what, the, it could be $500,000 a year, it could be 50 a year. It doesn't matter. We want to give away 50% of our income by the time we turn 50. And so we don't, in this stage of life, I don't have a whole lot of time to give to organizations. Uh, three young kids under four, full-time job, two other businesses fitness, everything else. I, there's just not a lot of time. So we, we give our money and you know, there's a lot of people who give a whole lot more than us, but it's not about that. It's about we're sacrificing from our lives and from our banks. That is a true sacrifice. And it brings us much more joy than buying things at stores. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, man, any, we're going to wrap this up here. I've, I've got, um, uh, one more question. Um, well, basically just, so first tell us in a nutshell, you know, if you could do it in a sentence or two, what's your message for people that are listening? What, what do you want them to take home and then give us a, where do we reach out to you? Where do we find you? How do they follow you? Yeah, sure. So, so our, our simple mantra or our mantra is very simple. It's we want people to live a life or to write a story so enthralling that others long to read about it. So that's basically, you know, write a story that is so intriguing that other people desire to read about it. And that's, that's the adventure to us. Um, and then the second part is you can find us on Instagram, the, uh, at the underscore Amos underscore project or our website, www.amos56.com. So it's amos56.com. Awesome. Awesome. And, and where does the Amos 5.6 come from? Tell us about that. Yeah. So, so there's a Bible verse. Uh, it's Amos 5.6 and mm-hmm. it says, seek me and live. Uh, and if you, if you were to say, oh, okay, well, what does that mean? I know the meaning of it. It has nothing to do with adventure. In fact, it's pretty dark, but it says, seek me and live. And so 
the, the, when I read that verse, it was like, okay, we're going to seek the Lord and we're going to truly live because that's how, that's how I feel we need to, uh, that's how we need to find adventure and experience life through yeah. God's eyes for us and who we are in his eyes. And so, uh, so seek me and live, that's the verse. And it just screamed adventure to me. And then when I actually went back and did all the research, like, okay, not quite adventure, more death, but we'll just call it adventure for now. <laughs> no, I love that. That's awesome. Well, well, thanks, man. I appreciate you being on. This has been a super good conversation right in line with, with, with kind of the message that the project's trying to deliver. And, uh, and, and hopefully people have found some value in it. If, if you guys have questions or want to chat more with, with John, you, we'll all have all the, his links there in the comments, uh, in the notes of the, the uh, episode here. And uh, man, John, Thanks for your time, man. This is awesome. And hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, we'll run into each other again. Yeah. I appreciate, appreciate you asking me to be on the podcast and, and I'll return the favor. I'll ask you to be on ours. I think you got a, a lot to listen, tell our listeners as well. That'd be great, man. I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day, man. All right. You too. Have a good one. Um. Thanks for listening to the Money Maven Project Podcast. A true maven shares knowledge with others. So be sure to share this podcast and leave a review. Thanks so much. And until next time, live life with intention.